This episode is brought to you by Arches and Halos. Between being on Zoom calls all day, having to wear a mask everywhere, and now using your eyes and your eyes only to smile at people, it feels like the main thing people notice now are our eyes. Arches and Halos is our favorite line of brow products that are so easy to find, pick up, and with a few quick steps, you can have the most amazing brows ever. They have an amazing range of products from tweezers, razors, pencils, pomade, mousses, and gels. Find Arches and Halos on your next trip to Target and Walgreens. Arches and Halos, professional brow grooming. Be bold, be you. Xfinity XFi is more than just fast. It's internet that gives you peace of mind security. Because if it's connected, it's protected. Yeah, even your robot vacuum. Can your internet do that? Learn more at Xfinity.com slash XFi. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Molly. Today we're talking about baby names and whether or not they make a difference in life and particularly more unique names. Mm -hmm. And while Kristen is not the most unique name. There are plenty of Kristens out there listening right now. True. I would, I would bet. But the spelling is a little unconventional. And I will say that there have been times in my life when I wish my parents hadn't been so creative at the hospital. It's C-R-I-S-T-E-N. Yeah. Rarely does someone spell it correctly on the first time. I understand. It's an unconventional spelling. But perhaps there are times when that's a little bit annoying to you. It has been annoying. And for some reason, maybe it's the way I say, hello, my name is Kristen. People typically respond, oh, hello, Christian. Or <laughs> what was that? Christine? Kirsten? Kirsten? Like any, anything that is not Kristen. I have, I've gotten like, no, actually it's Kristen. And fun fact about me, originally my parents, <laughs> since this was in the early eighties, um, they were going to name me Michelle. Hmm. Not no offense, Michelle's out there, but I'm kind of glad I, I'm a Kristen. You know, I, I think that um, it was going to be Molly or Emily for me. Like and both of those. Well, Emily, if I had been an Emily, I would have been like uh, one of ten Emilys in my class. Ah. So I am glad that uh, I got Molly because mm -hmm. it's not very common, except among dogs. <laughs> if I had a dollar for every time someone told me they had a dog named Molly, I could go buy us a nice lunch today. Kristen. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a very common pet name. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's what we want to kind of get into. Everyone's got a story about their name, whether it meant something to their parents or whether they just liked it, which yeah. is where Molly came from. And I think that uh, it's fair to say that naming a child causes a lot of angst es among expected parents. Especially today. If you look at the uh, traffic numbers for like babyname.com and all of these different baby naming sites, they have just gone through the roof yeah. in the past few years. Everyone wants a good name. I mean, you've got to you've got to get like the perfect balance between uh, common enough that everyone knows it, that you know people won't have trouble spelling it like a Kristen, mm -hmm. um, but out there enough that you're not going to be one of you know 15 Emilys or Johns or Matthews in your class. Right. And I feel like that's the line that a lot of people are trying to walk. And as a result, I think we're getting some more unusual baby names. And before reading all of these sources, I had no idea. First of all, the 
great effort that a lot of parents are going to these days, not only just looking at baby name books and consulting, you know, family names, but also going to numerologists, Mm -hmm. going to branding consultants, specific baby name consultants, taking Internet polls and surveys, so much fretting over baby names. And lo and behold, there is actually a decent reason why, because researchers have put all this effort into figuring out how your name impacts you down the road. Yeah, let me, let's throw out a few examples. Let's say, for example, that you're a fella who is given a name traditionally given to girls, like an Ashley. Yeah. Or Shannon. Those boys are more likely to misbehave than their counterparts with masculine names, according to some research, because they're saying that, you know, if you're a male Ashley and all of a sudden you're in a class with a female Ashley, the bozos in the class are going to start giving you a hard time. You're going to start fighting. And thus your disciplinary record will look different than, you know, John Doe's disciplinary record. Mm-hmm. And there's also a correlation between how much um, someone likes their name and their self-esteem. So uh, accumulating research has indicated that if you dislike your name, you probably have lower self-esteem. Great. Yeah. Here's another one. Uh, if you're a, if kind of the flip side of the one I just threw out, if you're a girl who has sort of a masculine name, mm-hmm. let's say um, Morgan versus yes. Elizabeth, because Morgan can go either way. Mm-hmm. The masculine named girls are more likely to take those math and science classes that, you know, typically girls are, you know, stereotypically not taking mm-hmm. than the girls with the more feminine names. But people say, is this a difference in terms of how we treat daughters with masculine names right. or is it just that masculine name gives you the the push to kind of go into that more masculine dominated world and speaking of academic performance there's also research indicating that names that sound like and this is where we get into some controversial territory names that sound as though they came from a family of low socioeconomic status might be tagged as less capable learners. Mm-hmm. And so it turns into um, sort of a vicious cycle of people, you know, educators perceiving this child based on his or her name as coming from a low, lower economic status and then putting them into the lower learning groups. Mm-hmm. And even just let's say you've got a common name. Let's take Kristen, for example. They're saying in this article by Jenna Breiner that if uh, you were constantly asked, like, is that really how you spell your name, Kristen? That that would affect your self-esteem, too. Right. That eventually you would think, is that really how I spell my name? Am I a wrong? Am I wrong? Am I am I crazy? Is this name any good at all? They're saying that can have a very real effect on your self-esteem. Right. Because think about it. Like that starts to happen, what, in kindergarten? Yeah. You know, and teachers don't <laughs> don't want to um, don't want to spell your name that way. And it can. It can really hurt. Uh, but, but, and then just going on with this, like we said, there is an astonishing amount of research. So just to add to this pile, criminal activity. Yeah. There was this one study from Shippensburg University that found a relationship between first name popularity in adolescence and their tendency to commit crime. And basically they're saying that if, you know, you're a, a Eugene or a Mildred and no one likes your name, you're going to go on a crime spree to overcompensate for having such a polarizing name. I'd like to go on the record for saying I love the name Mildred. Mildred is cute. Um, but I think that if I have a daughter, Kristen, I'm going to name her Deborah. Oh, I know why. Because you want a high achiever. I want a high achieving daughter uh, or son. So that's why Peter and Deborah will will be the names of my children. Because and Deb. according to one study... Those are the most common names of CEOs in the United States. Yeah, this was 
I think it came from an extensive survey from information called off LinkedIn. Yeah. And they pulled out, I mean, 16 million uh, profiles. And like you said, yes, Peter, the most popular. And the Deborah thing is interesting because Deborah spelled with the A-H ending is the number one most popular female CEO name. And then number three is Deborah. No A-B-R-A. Yeah. So, yeah, even just, you know, if you're making the decision, oh, I like the name Deborah. You've got to consider which spelling is going to be better for my child. Yeah, add on that H. Um, and you know, there are a lot of dentists whose name are Dennis. Dennis. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you can see now why parents might start to stress because it does seem like maybe your name might influence what you do for a living, mm-hmm. how you get through high school, whether it's with a disciplinary record or good grades or not. Um, even when you're sending out those first resumes, and this is where we get kind of into touchy territory with racial names. Right. Um, they're saying that Molly, for example, is a very quote unquote white name. Mm-hmm. And that if we sent the same resume out for one Molly versus the same exact resume for someone named like Rashonda, that Molly would get more hits than Rashonda. And there have been a few economic studies that have confirmed this. If employers are looking just side by side at resumes, um, identical candidates. They haven't met the anyone in person, but the resumes with the stereotypical white names versus the more stereotypical black names, the white names typically get more callbacks. And this is not just a U.S. phenomenon. We found one study where um, in Sweden, if those names were not stereotypically Swedish enough, those people did not make as much money as the people uh, who uh, had Swedish names when they were given a starting salary amount. But here is an important point to make about especially the white versus black names. And this is coming from the book Freakonomics uh, that talked a lot about this phenomenon. And they looked at a very large data set as well and examined the outcomes of white kids and black kids with, you know, the stereotypical white names, the stereotypical black names, and then just crossover names, just like, you know, names that have no racial distinction whatsoever. And again, the similar um, pattern occurred where kids with the stereotypical, and they called this super black names, that is a quote, uh, ended up with the the lowest outcome. They ended up making the least amount of money, the uh, most poorly educated. And the Freakonomics guys said, this really is not an issue of the name. But it's an issue of the, what the name indicates because children with those super black names, and I hate using that phrase over and over again, but that's the phrase they use, typically come from lower socioeconomic backgrounds with fewer opportunities. Right. And there's some evidence that people who give those quote unquote super black names to their children are trying to uh, associate themselves with a socioeconomic group. On purpose. Yeah. Uh, you know, standing together in solidarity with your community. Um, but then the question becomes whether you're standing with the community or just trying to give your kid a name that's kind of cool and edgy. How does it affect the child? It affects them sort of long term. We're saying, you know, maybe there's a little bit of, uh, you know, maybe there's some fun to be had in terms of you name your kid a dentist and he turns out to be a dentist or (laughs) you name your kid, uh, Mabel and she ends up working at Mabel's Bakery. They say that might happen. (laughs) Yeah. Well, there is a theory that all of this effort that parents today are putting into finding that perfectly unique name, you know, the Surrey Cruise, the Apple 
Paltrow or whatever the Martin <laughs> Martin. Um, all this effort we're putting into it is only breeding narcissism because yeah. at birth we are saying. You are unique among children, a snowflake among snowflakes. You are so special that I must find a word that has never been used as a child's name and put it on you. And so bearing this unique name, they become self-centered brats. <laughs> yeah. And, and it kind of, they're saying it says more about the parents being kind of self-centered brats yeah. as well. Because you could argue that any name says more about the parents than it does about the child, despite the fact that people are going to branding experts saying, what name can I give my kid? That will make someone really rich hire them. But, uh, you know, by choosing this most unusual name, then, yeah, it's possible that we're going to become this nation of uh, narcissists, according to one theory. But speaking of the branding and this, I think this little anecdote is points to the, this parental role. You know, maybe it's not the children that we're breeding that are the problem, but maybe the parents who need to just breathe and relax <laughs> and name their kid George and get it over with. So this guy in the Wall Street Journal, he's a branding expert, Mr. Alper. He tells Wall Street Journal about how he and his wife are just agonizing over what to name their child. They end up naming the child Beckett. Mm. And he says, quote, that CK sound is very well regarded in corporate circles, giving Kodak and Coca-Cola as examples. Quote, the hard stop forces you to accentuate the syllable in a way that draws attention to it. Poor Beckett. <laughs> Poor Beckett. <laughs> well, you know, there's one anecdote also that there was a father back at the turn of the century who named one kid winner and one kid loser. Mm -hmm. And winner, like, sucked at life. He became a criminal, did not do well. Loser goes on to be like the most successful businessman of the neighborhood. But people called him Lou because it was uncomfortable to call him Loser. Yeah, he actually ended up being a sergeant with the NYPD, which is kind of ironic because winner is on one side of the law. Yeah. And Lou, a loser, is on the, the winning side of the law. I think, though, Molly, that we need to get off the Internet and go back to colonial times when parents would choose names by opening the Bible and selecting a word at random. What sort of names would that result in, Kristen? Well, some examples from the Wall Street Journal were Notwithstanding Griswold Ooh. and maybe Barnes. But that's just in the United States, some little unconventional uh, naming practices. But in other countries, sometimes the law determines what your child can be named. Yeah. If you want to name your kid Metallica, you are out of luck in some countries. Yeah. Sweden does not take kindly to someone wanting to have a baby and as a joke name an Ikea. No. <laughs> Swedish authorities have rejected such names as Veranda, Ikea, and Metallica. And there was a French law that was enacted in the 1800s and was only repealed in 1993 that prohibited all names except those on a pre-approved list. And then in Germany, the government still bans invented names and names, and this is interesting, names that don't clearly designate a child's sex. Very interesting. Yes. Well, and every now and then you'll see a trend piece in this country of some parent who wants to name their kid Hitler for a laugh. Yeah. Like, should we have a law that prohibits, you know... Crazy names like that. Or maybe we should have a law against crazy parents being able to, you know, have children. <laughs> Wait, that's eugenics. Never mind. <laughs> Here's what I think we should do, Kristen. Technology has all our answers. I know you want to go back to the Bible. I say, <laughs> I say we all use our smartphones. Okay. Because I found out about this app that you can get on your phone where 
you um a name will kind of slide by on the app. You put it up to your pregnant belly, mm-hmm. and when the baby kicks after hearing the name, they're saying the baby is selecting its name. Yes, this is called the Kick to Pick app. It's only ninety nine cents. <laughs> And yeah, 99 cents for a great name. Let, let a, a bargain at any price. Yeah, there you go. Take all the, take all the worry out. I mean, I still, I still think that maybe you should honor the Lord and look it up in the Bible. <laughs> um, well, what you can do, according to this, uh, article in time about the app, you can, uh, pre-select sort of a group of names. Okay. So let's say you want to put like a big circle of like biblical names on your app. I would want a lot of hard stops to <laughs> accentuate, you know, the, the vowels and such. Um, and then you let that go by on the app. And so the kid will be picking a biblical name that you have pre-approved. But when he complains later about his name, you have to be like, hey, Jesus, you picked this name. <laughs> and that's why they're always middle names. <laughs> you know, parents, you're freaking out. But just remember, you got two names to play with. A do-over, if you will. Yeah. Because that's one of the things, this, this name regret, almost like buyer's remorse. Just for one final statistic, kind listeners, a British study of 3,000 parents suggests that one in five regret the name they chose for a child. And most of the distress comes when they pick something unusual or odd. So maybe go with something like, George Slingshot, you know, do something weird and do something conventional. You can mix it up and, you know, kids will probably just rename themselves when they become angsty 15 year olds anyway. Yeah. So it's no big deal. And anecdotally, once kids pass sort of that mark of getting through high school, getting their first job and kind of settling into the name, they're fine with it. Yeah. Even though people still misspell my name all the time, I don't mind it. I like it. Yeah, it's a distinguishing factor. I think that the the thing is, is once you see the kid and the names applied to them, it's set. Yeah. So expectant parents out there, while we freaked you out in the first half, the second half is just to tell you to chill out. Just relax. And people with odd or unusual or horribly ordinary names, <laughs> write in and tell us your stories. We would like to hear them. It's momstuff at howstuffworks.com. And I've got an email that was sent to that very same address. It's about yeast infections. Oh, yeah. It's from Nicholas. And he earned his five gold stars by being a man who listened to all of that podcast. And he writes, Sometimes a woman's partner can find signs of a yeast infection before the woman herself. I was too embarrassed to mention anything the first time I came across a yeast infection. But if I had, it would have cut short my girlfriend's symptoms. And when she found out, she was mortified. So to make things easier for everyone, do not be afraid to tactfully say something to her. Maybe couples should even discuss how they'll handle this in advance to avoid awkwardness and embarrassment. Well, I have an email here from Valerie, and this is also from our yeast infection podcast in which we mention thrush in babies. And I'm not going to go into all the details, but let's just say Valerie got a bad case of thrush from her baby because she did not, because thrush is oral, an oral yeast infection. And she didn't realize how contagious it was. And she would let him put his fingers in her mouth and wipe off her pacifier with his mouth. And, you know, of course, kiss him because he's a cute little baby. And then she got a bad case of thrush. And she said that she tried to do everything natural with yogurt probiotics and changing her diet so that it didn't have any sugar or beer, just yogurt and vegetables, basically. And everything, eating everything else was very painful. And then she said when it spread to her vagina, she finally went to the doctor. 
So, <laughs> the moral of that painful story is if your child has thrush, be ooh, careful. Be careful because it can apparently spread like wildfire. Mm, and that's a good name for a baby. <laughs> wildfire. Wildfire conger. <laughs> Like it. Well, if you would like to get in touch with us via social media, you can A, email us at momstuffathowstuffworks.com, but that's not really social. So why don't you follow us on Facebook and like us or follow us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast. And then finally, during the week, you can go to our blog. It's Stuff Mom Never Told You. And you can find it and plenty of other articles about babies and names at HowStuffWorks.com. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join HowStuffWorks staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Hi, I'm Amy Nelson. And I'm Sam Edis. We're the hosts of iHeart's newest podcast, What's Her Story with Sam and Amy. We both have our own businesses, and between us, we have seven children. And since the moment we met, we've been sharing our stories with each other. The thing is, we all know the stories of industry titans like Bezos and Jobs, but the stories of women, they remain incomplete. We ask questions no one else even touches. We are not afraid to get personal. So listen to What's Her Story with Sam and Amy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you crack open an American history book, it's sure to be filled with founding fathers, bloody wars, and the inventions that brought this country to the industrial age. But there's a whole other world that waits for us in the shadows. Tales of unlikely heroes, world-changing tragedies, and legends that are unique to this country's spirit. So join me, Lauren Vogelbaum, for a tour of American history unlike any other through a new podcast from iHeartRadio and Aaron Menke's Grim and Mild. Get ready for American Shadows. Listen to American Shadows on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> 